0: Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the 57th edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. Each week, we uh, pick some Rider player numbers that correspond to the number of the podcast. So, number 57 this week, we salute uh, current Rider player, Brendan Labat and a former teammate of Marshall Hamilton's, number 57, Big Bob, Bob Poley. That's number 24, Marshall Hamilton. That is, what number did you wear when you played university football, Murr? 50, I think. Oh. 50. Dick we, we salute Wayne Shaw, number fifty. Like yeah. um, right, Singletary. The um, we're very pleased to have Marshall with us. Marshall uh, played for the Rough Riders from 1981 to 1984, 1984, wearing number 24. Formerly of Yale, formerly of the
1: Regina Rams, and uh, now within. You the, forgot the Regina Silver Foxes too. You were you part of that Silver was, Foxes team? I got an assist on the goal that the Silver Foxes scored to win one game that entire year. I no. think we lost 57 out of 58 games or something like wow. that. And Brent Lewis got a goal in overtime against the Jaw Canucks they were at that time. And no way. Yeah, I was an infamous Regina Silver Fox.
2: <laughs> and now, and I now, is now a, you no, are I, one. Now I <laughs> is a Silver Fox. <laughs> yeah. You really are. You probably went very silver back then. No, I
1: that was, was that. jet black back then. My goodness. You're, you're
2: well got, tanned. You look like you're taking advantage of the uh, retirement.
1: Well, I earth. live in, in Mesa in the winter and Saskatchewan Beach in the summer, and I'm retired. Like That's true. I'm in the sun all the time. And
2: Rob and I, we live in Regina, and we work in the office, and we're as white as two guys can be.
1: Yeah, it's uh,
0: uh, we've got this glow in the middle of us, so we've got a rare, rare, bit yeah. of, uh, rare bit of bronze. It's like a bit reverse of Oreo
1: cookie, right, yeah. with uh, the dark in the middle.
0: We Murray and I have had too many Oreo cookies, too, so... Yeah um myriad issues to discuss with the Rough Riders obviously um there's uh there's Gainer Gate uh and I believe the Rough Riders beat the Toronto Argonauts 32 to 7 on Monday uh I made the- so Gainers, the new Gainers, 1-0 and and the and the old Gainer missed the playoffs the first 11 years of his existence yes so um everybody's talking about Gaynor uh you you talked about it on the Rod Peterson show yesterday and uh Uh, Marshall is also on in the huddle. He's a media baron these days. Um what are your thoughts on this Gainer scandal, for lack of a better word?
1: Well, as you know, Rod did a Twitter poll. I think he does one every every week or every show he does one and, and that one was thumbs up or thumbs down on the new Gainer. And, you know, not surprisingly, and what I said on his show was I I mean none of us should be surprised that that the majority of people thought it was a thumbs down, and it's because we have a natural, as human beings, a natural resistance to change, and that was a pretty significant change, and and a significant change to somebody that, you know, everybody loved. I think everybody loved, and and sort of like a an icon in our in our province. So, but what I said on Rod Show was. Don't do the poll. I mean, you can do the poll now. It's predictable. It's going to be 80 20 that, you know, thumbs down. But I said, do the poll at the end of the year again, or maybe at the end of next year, and give the new gainer, the new Svelte gainer, the opportunity to uh, exercise the flexibility that, you know, a slimmer body and a slimmer suit is going to give him uh i i likened it to sort of two of my favorite mascots over the years i don't even know if the san diego chicken is still around but the san diego chicken i remember when he came to regina back when i was playing and he did this little rendition to the song whip it good and he had a little fake uh dummy referee and he was throwing this this um this uh referee around i think gainer's since done something similar to that but san diego chicken was the first one to do that and I was sitting on the sidelines. I was about 20 feet away from this this uh, San Diego chicken, and I'm just trying my hardest not to laugh because the whole audience is going crazy. And I look over next to me, and about five or six feet away from me is Joe Ferragelli, the head coach, and he's ah, 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 ah. <laughs> so I figure oh, I guess it's okay to laugh at this, so I I laughed along with it. But you know the kind of things he was doing, Gainer couldn't do. You know, in this big bulky thing with a great big head um i also think of the the oregon duck mascot who you know the oregon duck score a touchdown and the oregon duck mascot gets down and does seven push-ups and then they score another touchdown and now he's got to do 14 push-ups and the whole crowd's counting while well, the oregon ducks tend to score a lot of points so when they're in the 30 40s 50s that's a lot of push-ups to be doing in a big fat gainer outfit so i don't know what the new gainer's going to do but I'm pretty sure we're going to see him wanting to be doing jumps and flips and, you know, the kind of things that you see these young, agile mascots do. Uh, and it's pretty hard to do in a big old gainer uniform. My advice, though, what I said to to the screen, not that Craig Reynolds is watching, but uh, when I did in the huddle, I said, if if you want to tweak something, do something about the eyes. The eyes. Every, everybody's thinking he's a he's on math. <laughs> um you know, the rest of them I'm fine with, but but maybe go back to something that looks more like the old Gainer's eyes.
0: Yeah, it's not an especially welcoming appearance the way it is right now. It's like
1: yeah, he's got that grin on his face and those eyes, and I don't even, I don't know if they're maniacal. bloodshot, but I wouldn't be surprised if they are. But you know, I let's give the new Gainer an opportunity to show us what he can do.
0: Murray, uh, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Well, a lot of people We're trying been, to change your your appearance, too, but yes, it just isn't well, working.
2: <laughs> having lost a little bit. Sometimes your face changes when you lose weight. That's the thing that happens. <laughs> we'll have to find that out again.
1: Really? And you can lose weight on meth, too, <laughs> yeah, apparently. Apparently,
2: yeah. <laughs> I find it interesting. A lot of people are saying the kids are scared. And I don't know if you remember you. When my kids were young, they were scared of greener. Gainer wasn't yeah. a guy you went up and hugged and said, oh, good things. Because gainers is a great big thing. And once you get to know him, you get. Well,
1: lots of kids are scared of Santa Claus.
2: I know. they're scared of the, of the, uh, the dinosaur at the Best Western History Museum. It's just one of yeah. those things. So, Mega munch. Mega munch. So I don't quite get the, why they're scared of Gainer. It takes a little bit of time. I thought, and I know I thought the running shoes were cool. I think it's an idea that it is a better, younger, fitter generation. Why is our gopher running around with a big junk in the trunk and a big gut? Maybe upgrade that. I kind of like the, the video introduced him. Gainer working out was pretty cool. Yeah. I think the eyes could do a little bit of tweaking, but I think the same thing. I'm with you. Give him a chance. Let's see what he can do. Let's see because they, they introduced not only Gainer, they introduced some new game day products at, at the game too. Yeah. And the, they use the video the video stro- video storyboard much better than they have in the past. So.
1: And some of the bloopers. I yeah. I wasn't at this game because I was in a pickleball tournament. Bloopers. But the bloopers, everybody loves those. People
2: love bloopers, and they can show them over and over again. So they they've kind of taken a page out of some of the other teams. Calgary Stampeders do the blooper runs too, and that's a a big hit too. So maybe give them a chance. But we know in Saskatchewan, there's no chances. You get your first chance, and then you're done. So maybe. And I'm I hate to say, it, but I'm tired of Gainer already.
0: Just... <laughs> I had I had virtually forgotten that there was a Gainer uh, in, in terms of visibility, in terms of presence. He's been de-emphasized so much over the years as far as the game day program. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a video board now. There's somebody screaming into a microphone. There's all sorts of things that didn't exist in 1977 when, when Gainer was born. And the only diversion from the play was Herb Jeffries, the taxi squad, playing songs on the uh, sidelines during interludes in the game so much as and there was a player's logo on player cigarette logo on the scoreboard i mean it was a pretty yeah. basic primitive existence when gainer was born one july day in 1977 when the riders lost 34-14 to bc but now there's just so much that's part of the game day program you don't really even i didn't really really, really even notice gainer for the longest time and then suddenly it's like okay he does he or she, we still haven't confirmed the gender, have we, Um, does matter to people.
1: I'd I'd forgotten he or she was there. Well, the turning point, if, if we all go back, and you've sort of hinted at it without saying it out loud, is the turning point is the jumbotron. As soon as the jumbotron gets there, now you've got this new form of entertainment. You can show replays, you can show videos, you can do interviews, you can do games and different things like that. And you go to a game now at Mosaic Stadium, and that's every break is you know turn to the jumbotron and watch oh there's a picture of there's the kiss cam there's the the dance cam there's the people with you know artificial mustaches and hats on there's always something on the jumbotron and that used to be gainer time that used to be the time where gainer would walk on the field with a fake dummy or he'd come out and you know jump on a tiger or he'd come out with his signs and go go riders defense or different things like that that was those timeouts were for gainer and that's where gainer got a chance to be lovable to his to his fan base. Well, now he doesn't have that opportunity because the Jumbotron's taken over. And and there was a time too
0: when I don't want to risk deriding the Rough Riders that were existed when you played, but there were eleven years when the Riders didn't miss the playoffs. There were some years that team was absolutely dismal. There were a couple of two and fourteen seasons for which Marshall wasn't responsible because he didn't he debuted with the nine and seven Rough Riders of 1981. So it's the second quarter, the riders are already out of the game of Edmonton's in town and you need something to entertain you and Gaynor filled that void marvelously. Yeah, He also was
2: great in the community too though. It was, not, but that was a big part. You ever saw Gaynor anywhere with their kids around? He was people, and as I said, they were scared of him, but he was still, even for adults, I remember he showed up at a briar once and there was a very acerbic columnist named Paul Wiesick. and I've never seen Paul look that emotional. Gaynor was his absolute favorite mascot and Gainer gave him a big hug, and this grown man was almost in tears. After Paul sick yeah, I was just so, and wow. I didn't take his picture. He said, "Take my picture," and I didn't get his picture taken. So, <clears throat> Paul's never quite forgiven me for that. It would have been mm-hmm. nice and blurry, I guess, but blurry, blurry, <laughs> blurry. But anyway,
0: but but the writers, <clears throat> the thing is though, it's one thing to espouse patience, and there's certainly a, a case for what you're advancing, but. The Rough Riders run the risk of allowing this to overshadow the fact that Calgary's in town on Saturday. Do they run the risk of people booing their mascot? Not that I'm calling for people to do that, but the discontent is such that if Gaynor comes out in the same garb, are people going to still be upset? Are people still, and I don't know what proportion of the fan base is upset, but it's a, a reasonable chunk of it. Um, could this detract from the game, and is that healthy? If it does,
2: I think they should have they should address it. At least explain what their thinking is. Explain though the things that we're speculating on about fitness and why he's got those wacky eyes and that crazy smile. But I think they, as a community-owned team, you make a change like this. Maybe come out and explain what your thoughts are, and then it's could be done. As the as in you've been in human reserve so you've been, been there. Crisis, you've been in. Cra- is this not a crisis mode? But it's crisis management. Isn't it the best way to get out there and just
0: handle it?
1: Yeah, there's sort of two schools of thought there. The first is I agree with that. I I think there's an expression one of my coworkers used to use for many, many years that I've borrowed many times, and that is people can take a lot of what if you give them enough why? Why did you change this? Well, here's why we changed it. So I I think if if they got out front of it, there'd there'd be less people talking about it. But the other, and I'm somewhat taking the other side of the argument for a minute here, is there's an old adage that, that uh, any press is good press you know if they're talking about your football team if they're talking about your mascot if they're talking about the CFL then they're not talking about the weather they're not talking about politics or Trudeau or or the economy or whatever they're talking about the Saskatchewan Roughriders and their mascot so I don't think there's people saying oh I'm not going to buy season tickets anymore because of that you know freaky looking new gopher they're, they're saying, I want the old gopher back, you know, So, but they're still talking about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and and, and the product, total product on the field, not just the football team. They're talking about the, the game day experience. I
2: think Rob touched on it. Gainer becoming unimportant to the games, and maybe they've elevated them to that, and they had to do something. Just like their game day product is better. They had to change that game day product. You had this beautiful jumbo jumbotron they can utilize. They can use the other one up in the corner. Let's start using those big things, and... Make it more, and uh, our producer here, Austin Davis, brought it up, it's more like an NBA game now. And I I agree, every moment is filled with noise and something, but I also notice in the fourth quarter it tends to get back to football and the people who are there for the game are allowed, if the game's close. And not stormed out.
1: <laughs> but, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school when I say this, but the riders brought in, and I know this because my son Levi works as the director of partnerships with the riders. And he introduced me to the guy at, at one of his house parties, but this, they brought in a guy who used to come, who came from the Raptors. And I'm not talking about Pillow who who came in, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, who came yeah. in uh, uh, a couple of years ago, but but this guy was responsible for the game day experience for the Toronto Raptors, and in fact, earlier on in his career, he was he he wore the Raptors suit. So he now works with the Rough Riders. So his his vantage point is NBA games where you've got an opportunity to use your mascot to do some things. Now he's not he's probably not going to be dunking basketballs because we're talking about a different sport. But if, and I'm just saying this hypothetically, if hypothetically they brought out a trampoline. You know, at halftime or trampoline between quarters or something like that, and this new Gainer gets out there and starts going boing, boing, and doing flips and stuff. Everybody's gonna be going, Gainer, I love this new Gainer. Well, you wouldn't see the old Gainer do that. You you just couldn't do it in that sort of the fat suit. But um, you know, so that's why I say let's let's give this the year and let's give the riders the opportunity to unveil their new mascot and what all they want him to do. I assume it's a male. And um, and then let's vote at the end of the year. Well, the
2: problem is, after all this Gainer talk, we still not haven't yet mentioned that Cody Fajardo threw for 430 yards.
0: That's the un- unfortunate <laughs> part of this. And uh, the
2: defense had its best game. People should
0: be raving about this wonderful quarterback that they have yeah. and this excitement and this, this offense that's a tonic after the sheer sludge that people were subjected to last season. Mm-hmm. Talking in a Cody Pajardo to to Kyron Moore for 98 yards. This is a team that threw for a hundred yards in the entire West Division semifinal. I mean, finally they've got a quarterback about whom people can rave, and they haven't had a an emerging star quarterback like this since since Darian Durant. And we're talking about a golf golfer, and I suppose we're guilty of perpetuating it here. Yeah. But that's been the tenor of a lot of the discussion subsequent to the Rough Rider game on on Monday shouldn't this be Fajardo mania and shouldn't that be the focus this week? And is this go for gate detracting from what should be a a real good news story that people should be eating up?
2: I think we should go for something different, but I also like to think that Fajardo's it's two games and I know it's, it's pretty impressive two games, but it's still two games and he hasn't. And I know people say, what about playing Toronto? Does it really count? Well, they all count because if they had lost, they'd be, we wouldn't be talking about Gainer. We'd be talking about, when Zach is coming back, but he I think, would well <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe if he ever comes back, that's one of the other that's probably even more of the bigger thing right now. And with Cody Fajaro's playing, yes. what does Craig Dickinson do? The way, now it's six games and that first we did first game in August is a long ways away against Hamilton, but what does he do if Zach Claris is healthy? Is Zach Claris can come back and play. Would it you know, you're a football player, you're older now and you've obviously got a good life, good quality of life. You probably didn't have too many concussions in your day, if you remember. Maybe once or twice, one? Six. Six? Six, yeah. really? And then you can count that high. Good, that's a good yeah. one, yeah.
1: <laughs> probably a lot more, but only six I can remember. So. But, um, well, back to, yeah, we are spending too much time talking about okay, about about gainer and not enough time about Fajardo. But uh, one of the things that, well, okay, there's so many things I want to talk about. So, Caleros, <laughs> I remember... I remember three weeks ago talking about Claros on in the huddle of the Rod Peterson show. I can't remember which. And I looked at the camera and I said, I said, Zach, if you're watching and if you're listening, um, think about your future. Think about, you know, think about it from your wife's perspective. I don't know if he's got kids. Think about it from your kid's no. perspective and think about, you know, where do you want to be when you're 40? Where do you want to be when you're 50? Where do you want to be when you're 60? And right now, you know, yeah, it's it's tempting to think, well, I can come back and I won't have another concussion or these concussions aren't going to have a long term effect on me. But they do, you know, and, and you don't have to look around the league very far. And I won't mention names. And and you see people that are having problems when they get to be 40, 50, 60 years old or that die or that commit suicide. And, you know, the, the more we look at that, the more we go, holy mackerel, I think that might be related to some of the concussions he had earlier in his career. You know, do you want to be sitting at sixty years old, you know, drooling into your chair, or do you want to be out playing pickleball and hiking and mountain biking the kind of things that that I'm doing? And and I say, Zach, life is too short to to risk the rest of your life to try to come back because you don't think you're going to have another cushion. And 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 you know, almost all of us know that the first concussion is the hardest one, but the next one's easier, and the one after that's even easier. And and he's had a number of them. And, and in most football players, they've had some that they don't even count or, or that they don't want to admit they've had. So if I'm Dave Dickinson, which I'm not, uh, and if Cody Fajardo continues to play well, when Zach Galeros comes back, he's my backup. He's not my starter. You know. I Do you even
2: dress him? I don't even know if he'll go for well, that. Well,
1: I'd, I I'd, I'd privately have a conversation with him similar to the one I just had on the camera with, with Zach if he was watching. I'd say, Zach, do you really want to come back? You know, I mean, you're a great guy, and I, and I love you, and I love your attitude, I love your work ethic, but I'm really concerned about your health and your future, and and um, you know, I I don't want to bench you, but I'd really I'd I'd like you to decide what's best for you and your family, and if you come back, I want to protect you, and and I'm going to have you as my backup because you know we need to go on, our future as a football club depends on us having a healthy quarterback for the entire season, not just for one or two more games or until you have your next concussion. Um, I'd have him, I'd have him as my backup.
2: I mean, so for has also outplayed Zach.
1: Yeah. Basically.
2: since <laughs> Zach's never had two games. Well, the one game against Calgary last year. And he
0: played well in Montreal. And played well, yeah. Okay. Above average. He had two above, above average, average games yeah. last year.
2: But he's never had two games like Fajardo. So you also have, you know, Fajardo's outplaying him. So in the old competition world of football, who do you go with? You go with a guy, but I don't think Zach would accept the backup role. I think he's a starter in his mind. Just to question: What happens if he's 40, 15, 60, and he has regrets about not playing? Like, what does he do with that kind of stuff? And I know it's talked about his health, but maybe he's fine. He goes, "I wish I'd played for another five or six years." Is that? Is well, that and you have to
0: drag a lot of athletes off the field. Very few end their yeah. careers of their own. Ninety-nine
1: percent, and I'm just this is my statistics, not statistics I've read somewhere, but ninety-nine percent of athletes leave on somebody else's terms. They don't leave yeah. on their own terms. I mean, how many people like Wayne Gretzky have a farewell tour around the league or Mario Lemieux or, or whoever, you know, pick pick an, pick an athlete. The majority of us get told we're too old, too fat, too slow, too injured, uh, get paid too much money or whatever it is, or some combination of all of those. And some younger person that can come in that's willing to do the job for half the money that's younger, that's faster, that is stronger. and And you kind of go, well, that's just... You know the 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 next generation is coming into play, and I think Cody Fajardo fits that bill. Um, You know, so it's it's rare that you get a chance to write your own last chapter of your career.
2: I can think of off the top of my head: Henry Burris, Ricky Ray had an opportunity, and we saw how that ended.
1: Yeah, Ronnie ended
0: it when Ronnie wanted to end it, not in the manner he wanted to do it in terms of finishing on a four-win football team, but it was Ronnie's decision to. Yeah, but retire him, no george one. reed ended it on his own terms yeah. george reed rushed for one thousand four hundred fifty four yards in his final season the third highest career total
1: of his career and in, in on may
0: 31st 76 he
1: said
2: yeah but no one goes out winning a great cup on their final game
1: but did george win it on his or leave on his own terms or did george say my body's can't take too much more of this yeah i still got a thousand yards or whatever i got last season yeah. but you know i i've I've known George for a long time, and I remember playing racquetball with him, thinking, boy, this is me playing racquetball with my hero. But, you know, he he couldn't move very good because his knees were just so torn up and beat up. So I, I just, you know, very few people leave at the height of their career right after they've won a Stanley Cup or a Grey Cup or a Super Bowl or whatever. And they're still healthy enough to play. They're still young enough to play. And they say, "No, nope. I'm leaving at a high spot. See I look at this
0: discussion and I wonder, I don't even know if you can make this Zach Kalaros' decision. If you're Craig Dickinson, if you're Jeremy O'Day and you've you've got to take into account not only the well-being of your football team but of your players, Do you want it on your conscience and maybe you're presuming the worst case scenario or guarding against it? Do you want it on your conscience if despite suppose that Zach Kalaros is cleared to play, everything's fine, he goes out there and then in, in a play or two or a game or two or a month or two, it happens again, well, it's and gonna happen it's again. bad.
2: It's going to happen again.
0: Maybe he lives a charmed existence. If he gets the protection that Cody Fajardo got against Toronto, he could play for another 20 years. But this is professional football. People are targeting the quarterback on every plate. Chances are you're going to get that hit. If you're Craig Dickinson, if you're Jeremy O'Day, and if it happens again, do you want that on your conscience? As is a it- coach, as an employer, That's what. that's where I think the level at which the decision has to be made.
1: There's another factor. I mean, let's open up the horizon a little bit, and instead of looking at this year, let's look at this year and next year, which, by the way, happens to be a year where the Grey Cup's in Regina. Who do you think gives us the best chance of winning a Grey Cup next year? Is it Zach Caleros with his history of concussions, including one he's off, off on for right now, or is it this young upstart named Cody Fajardo that, you know, we're really encouraged and excited about after the last two games. Now it's only two games, I agree. But who's our starting quarterback if the Riders are in the Grey Cup in 2020? Is it Fajardo or is it Claros? And I think your chances are better. It's a year and a half. That gives him, what is it? That's almost 35, 33 games or something like that between now and then. That's that's 33 games with Zach, with uh, Cody Fajardo um, getting better. And that's 33 games that, Zach Caleros risks another concussion, maybe the final one.
0: You can look at this and you can say, then there's been a lot of comparisons uh, and there's been a lot of citing of precedent quarterbacks after their first two starts. You can look at Darian Durant, who threw for 688 yards in his first two starts with the Rough Riders. You can look at, and won them. Uh, You can look at Kent Austin, who won his first two starts, performed impressively. You can also look at a former teammate of Marshall's, Joe 747 Adams, through for 300, 355 yards and then 312, won his first two starts, and well
1: <laughs> and nobody wanted to play for him. You know,
0: um you didn't have so book about him, did you? He's been in the book, but <laughs> if you look at it, it could you can have the Durant Ken Austin story, or you can have the Joe 747 Adams story. How much do you have to inject caution into the discussion now, knowing that? Two games is a pretty limited sample size and, and you possibly could have the, the Joe Adams great debut, but not much after I, that.
1: I agree it's a limited sample size, but but I think you're not on purpose, but you're you haven't in, in you haven't put all the facts into the scenario. Here's here's what I really like about the last two games for Cody Villardo that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, eight hundred some yards or whatever it is for two games. That's an impressive four hundred yards per game average kind of thing. What's most impressive for me is zero interceptions. Yeah. And when you watch the play and you watch the replays and stuff like that, as a former defensive back, when I'm covering you man-to-man, if you know where you're going and I don't, I have to follow you. My only chance of an interception is if I either guess what you're doing or I get a good break and the ball is thrown a little bit late and I get a chance to jump in front and make the interception. Well, Cody Fajardo is throwing the ball early, He's throwing the ball to the right guy, and he's throwing the ball on time. So as the defensive backup, that's really hard for me to, to cover that because he, the receiver knows where he's going, and I don't know where he's going. So Cody Fajardo is reading defenses, which is a huge plus. He's throwing the ball on time. He's getting good protection. I have talked enough about the offensive line. And he's making smart decisions, and he's got zero interceptions. And the other one, and maybe this is even more important than the other two, leadership. I love the mic'd up games. And and in that game, there was one, I can't remember who he was throwing to, it might have been Kyron Moore, where they were, you know, probably about the 15-20 yard line of Kyron Moore, ran a, a corner route into the left side of the end zone, and Cody Fajardo overthrew him. And it would have been a touchdown. And when he came back to the huddle, you could hear it, it was a little bit faint, but you could hear him say to Kyron Moore, he says, that was a touchdown, it was my fault, if I had to hit you, that would have been good on me, You know, that kind of thing. And as a receiver, you're going, God, he didn't have to say that, but I sure appreciate the fact that he didn't, you know, throw me out and say, well, you should have been there quicker or how come you broke it off too soon or whatever. He took ownership to that. And the second thing that I heard, and I was on the TSN broadcast, they were talking about how at halftime when there was this two-hour delay, Cody Fajardo was going around the locker room reminding them of the Super Bowl between the Ravens and the 49ers about four or five years back where there was a similar delay. It was for a, some power outage on some of the lights. And and then in that particular game, the Ravens were up fairly big. And the, after the time, after the long delay, the 49ers made this huge comeback. Now, the Ravens ultimately won that game. But he was reminding players, we cannot be complacent. We cannot th- – this happens. Momentum can switch when we come out after this long delay. So those are examples of leadership that separate him by miles or kilometers from Joe 747 <laughs> Adams. Or yards. Or yards. And that's or a, meters.
0: Just the way he carries himself is impressive. Yeah, it, he's, it, he's a leader. It belies his lack of experience as a starter. He's been around the CFL for a while. But you yeah. can see that he's he's probably watched Richie, uh, Ricky Ray pretty carefully. He's, he's watched Travis Lulee. Murray did a story on those influences on Cody Fajardo. A, a few weeks back and uh, is this playing out in a manner that one would think considering the people he's hung out with uh, during the first three years. Of I think the I mentioned
2: career. you, I kind of regret always adding he's only a backup quarterback a third, or third or short yardage quarterback to every sentence we've heard about written about. Yeah, that made, made us run. look great, didn't it? And he's really, but I think he is a leader and it's pretty, and the guys are following him. I think they understand that he's, he's their guy and they have to follow him. They're not going to say anything. I, I don't know. And I, I never saw that kind of leadership as Zach. I don't think he's around long enough. Maybe it just didn't quite have that. Maybe it's not the type of guy he is. Like, Do your quarterbacks have to be your leaders? Normally they do, don't they?
1: Well, um, I, I think they're naturally your leaders, whether they're a rah-rah guy like a Matt Dunnigan or whether they're a very quiet, unassuming guy like a Ricky Ray. Yeah. But people do look to their quarterbacks. And now if their quarterbacks are are quiet they're still watching their demeanor they're still watching how they act in the huddle they're they're watching how they react after a good play they're reacting how they react watching how they react after a bad play they're they're watching everything you do so whether you want to be a leader as a quarterback or not you are a leader because everybody's watching you but Cody Pajardo seems to be saying the right things I love his attitude I mm-hmm. I said I said this probably three or four weeks ago I went to the to one of the games and I was watching him play and I could. God, he just—you know—his size and and his demeanor on the field, and sort of the enthusiasm. He reminded me of Matt Dunigan. Um, he's
2: bigger than Matt. I think he's 225, 6'2", 6'3", maybe even six-four. Yeah, well,
1: I, I don't know how much how much Matt was back then, but you know, yeah, Matt, Matt Dunigan's always been a, a gym rat. You know, with big guns and um, mm-hmm. so. But they're both shorter stature guys that just had a whole bunch of enthusiasm like they were ADHD and they just okay let me get out there where do I go and you know and, oh you want me to tackle him I'll go tackle him so Matt Dunnigan was like a little linebacker in a yeah. quarterback's body and Fajardo kind of looks the same to me you mentioned the interceptions Marshall and as any good defense
0: former defensive back will do and or a former quarterback too over John Rams, the national champions but uh Ken Austin's first start he threw two picks in Hamilton the following week he threw a 45 yard pick 6 to Don Wilson of the Edmonton Eskimos. Darian's first start he wasn't picked off in Hamilton, but the following week against Montreal, he was intercepted twice. You look at that Toronto game and not only wasn't Cody not only was Cody Fajardo not intercepted, I'm not sure the Toronto Argonauts laid a finger on the football all night. No, they he didn't. just made the right reads and and put put receivers in a position where the, in a lot of cases where if they didn't catch the ball,
1: nobody was going to touch it. So let's let me give you a different perspective for a minute, or a, a sort of a different way of looking at the same at the same thing. If I was a quarterback and I was being totally selfish, and I and I'm playing in my first start, and I wanted to have a game where I threw zero interceptions because I know how how much I'll be criticized if I throw an interception. I can throw the five yard outs. I can throw the hitch passes. I can dump off the screens. I can throw the little hitches inside. I can do all that kind of stuff. And you know, hey, Marshall finished with zero interceptions. Well, Zach or uh, Cody Fajardo's not doing that yeah I mean think pretty- of the balls we've seen more deep balls thrown in the last two weeks by Cody Fajardo than we probably saw by Zach Calaris in the entire year last year I mean I sat on all the programs that I do talking about dink and dunk and all oh, this boring offense and I don't know whether that was McAdoo or whether that was Chris Jones with his thumbprint on McAdoo because he wanted his defense to win the games I don't know that but whether it's whether it's McAdoo or whether it's just Cody Fajardo or some combination of those two. I love the fact that they're throwing the ball deep. You can't just dink and dunk all the time. You got to put it in the mindset of the defensive backs that every once in a while we're going deep. So you better be prepared for that. And then if if they start backing off to, to protect that, dink, dunk, dink, dunk, dink, dunk till they come up, then boom, I'm going over top. And Cody Fajardo's not only has he got zero interceptions, he's got zero interceptions, and he's thrown deep.
2: How much credit do the receivers get for this? I know, I know he's throwing the ball, but this is a receiving core we had lots of questions about when training yeah. camp started. They were too young. They hadn't scored Evans. They hadn't scored a touchdown as a wide receiver. The slot backs were kind of there. Roosevelt was coming off and off. And We're wondering, what kind of receiving core are they going to have? And all of a sudden, I think this receiving core is playing so well, one of their big free agent signings, Manny Arsenal, I don't know how they get him on the roster. Because K.D. Cannon might be the only spot, but I don't know how you get Manny Arsenal on that roster right now.
0: No, the way things are going. Yeah, like so, you're just waiting until you until someone injury gets or hurt, until there's but, an injury.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, I said that. I mean, somebody else, it wasn't me that said this, but uh, you know, we we I talk lots about how you win football games is by two things: making plays, not making mistakes. And one of the mistakes that receivers make, I mean, two of them is you know offsides and, the league, and those kinds of things. I don't think they had any of those. But they had no drop balls. None of them dropped a ball that last game. So that's you know, hats off to the receiver. And I also said yesterday to somebody, I said, I don't think Manny Arsenal is going to see the field until there's an injury. Right. Which why, is not why would you mess with it? I wouldn't mess with it right I now. As I
0: said,
2: I, I was watching practice the other day on the go on cable, you can't take Swerve off, you can't take Roosevelt off, you can't take Corey Watson off because he's a Canadian. And he's playing pretty well. Yeah. And then you got Cannon and Mr.
1: Roosevelt and Roosevelt. Jack Jack uh Jack Evans. Yeah, what do you you know?
0: Yeah, so who do you
2: and none of them you can't take any of them off, and you're going to put a guy on like Arsenal, who wants to play and he's probably ready to play, yeah. but I don't know what they're going to do with that. But That's
0: he, he still. This is a this is someone too who was hurt in September of last year, and not a full year has elapsed since the injury. So every week that you don't have to play him buys them another week of, rec- of recuperative time too so it, it benefits them from both standpoints so, so, so and he's playing. still
1: leading in the locker room and he's still yeah. leading in the on the field from the sideline and and there are going to be injuries i mean if we think that we're going to play with these same receivers for the entire year without an injury we're kidding ourselves there's going to be probably multiple injuries and that's when you get arsenal come in and if arsenal comes in and does really well maybe he's in there for the rest of the year and somebody else has to sit but uh, the reality in this league, whether it's on the offensive line especially or on the defensive line or on the defensive backs or the receivers, you've got to have depth. And right now at receivers, I think we got pretty good depth.
2: They also have another And on defense. What do they do with Solomon Aluminium when, if he's able to come back? He's another guy they rested a week when he was ready, but the defense is coming off arguably its best game, yep. even maybe better than some games they played under Chris Jones. They did everything right. I don't think I don't remember a mistake. You know, They just—they got pressure on the quarterbacks. They had great coverage. They had two picks, four sacks. Charleston Hughes looks like he's found a fountain of youth. So how do you say, okay, well, Solomon, you're going to go in the middle and we're going to put Cameron Judge's weak, and we're going to leave Derek Moncrief as Sam because you can't move him anywhere. So what do they do with so a couple of vets? So maybe other questions. What are they going to do with these guys? And they're all being answered in a positive way that I think – most of us didn't think would be would happen this way.
1: Everything we're talking about is good problems, not yeah. bad problems. It's good problems. Yeah. But, you know, What are we going to do with, with this guy that's waiting in the wings? What are we going to do with that guy that's waiting in the wings? Those are really nice problems as opposed to so-and-so just got hurt. Who's going to go in now? Exactly. You know, And that's sort of what we're used to. So uh, nice problems to have if you're Jeremy O'Day or Craig Dickinson.
0: Has Craig Dickinson liberated Stephen McAdoo? That's one question that's percolating. And you alluded to it previously, Marshall was and and I should point out that in 2017 the Riders the league in touchdown passes when Chris Jones was the head coach and when Stephen McAdoo was the offensive coordinator so it's not like there wasn't some productivity on offense with Stephen McAdoo here but you look at last year and and the restrictive schemes that they had even when Zach Klaros was in the game and now you watch what's happening now I just wonder if Craig Dickinson has given Stephen Mac- McAdoo the, the the latitude that perhaps he didn't enjoy when Chris Jones was here, particularly last year.
1: Yeah, I wish I knew whether McAdoo had latitude last year or not. I don't know that. I, I'm not a Chris Jones fan. Anybody that's kind of watched. <laughs> you oh, <what>? you guys- <laughs> Anybody <just> watch. Anybody that's <laughs> watching the huddle over the last couple of years knows that I'm not a Chris Jones fan. But um, I, I just think that. Craig Dickinson, from from what I can glean through interviews and, and so on, I haven't met the man yet, but I just think that he's the type of leader that empowers the people underneath him. He, he says, you're the defense coordinator, not me. You're the offense coordinator, not me. I want you to, to do the best job you can. I want you to do the best job. Let me know what I can do to help you. I'm going to hold no. you accountable, but I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. I hired you to do that job. And I think he, I think, so I think he is, I think McAdoo, if he wasn't before, I don't know. But I think now he is empowered. And I think McAdoo is saying, oh, good, I don't have, that, have to worry about that sort of pressure that I had previously from Chris Jones. And now I can run my game plan. And then, oh, look, I got this young, energetic quarterback that likes to go down the field and seems to be making smart decisions. So let's open up the playbook and have some fun. So I I think he is empowered now to run his offense that he wasn't able to under Chris Jones. Chris Jones... I mean, again, I'm being ultra-critical of a guy that's already gone, but I think if, if the Riders had 100 eggs in their basket to spread out between all of the players on their team, they put 75% of those eggs on the defensive side of the ball. They said, we're going to win with you know, sacks, we're going to win with pressures, we're going to win with interceptions for touchdowns, we're going to win with fumble recoveries for touchdowns, we're going to win with defense. And on the offense, they're kind of going, well, is anybody going to, don't you give us any eggs? Don't we get any eggs over here? And I think that's probably a factor why we didn't get you know, some of these high-priced quarterbacks wanting to come to the Saskatchewan Ruffers because our history has been we're going to spend all of our money on defense. Well, are you going to spend any money protecting me? Are you going to give me receivers to throw to? Are you going to give me a running back to hand off to? So I, I think that will change over time, but that's the reputation that Chris Jones had. And I think now McAdoo's saying, all right, my, it's my game plan. I got a quarterback that can run it. Let's go.
2: Plus, he has a running back. He has a very good running yeah. back in William Powell. And Marcus Thigpen is okay, but he's no William Powell. I keep looking up and going, there's William Powell going again. What a run that is. What a, yeah. That's eight yards, man. That was eight yards of speed and power. and He has this amazing ability to cut. Vision. vision, His yeah. vision. You just to you go, wow. And you're just watching, you just watch him. could watch. I love watching Andrew Harris run the ball. I yep. think he's one of the best running backs I'm quickly falling in love with watching William Powell yeah. take over a game at running back, and they did that in the back, you know, in the second half of the, after the storm. They kind of just sort of focused. They didn't really try to run up the score or anything, but yeah. William Powell. So they have a running back that takes all the heat off the quarterbacks, which is providing that kind of excitement. And I'd like to see one game. But I don't know how many carries they had. How many carries they have yesterday? Do you remember, Rob? Fifteen-ish. He gets around 20, and he just gets bigger and stronger and tougher. And what a, what a great signing that was. This gives some more credit to uh, – Jeremy O'Day to go first seeing the, the site to get for Fajardo and then get to William Powell. And then yeah, we you won't bo- bring up Micah Johnson yet. We'll still you, you to
0: him. He, Micah Johnson had a tremendous game against Toronto. You, I rewatched the game about 4 a.m. on I Tuesday. I think I was just going to bed and then. And Micah Johnson was an absolute terror. Uh, the interception by Nick Marshall Nick Marshall actually, S.J. Green had a step or two on yeah, Nick Marshall.
1: Yeah, what under, happened? Underthrown.
0: Micah Johnson made, uh, forced the pass to be thrown before yeah. the quarterback wanted to. He couldn't step into the throw. Pass was underthrown. That's an inter- that interception is, is a Micah Johnson production well, as much as it is a Nick no Marshall production. No coincidence
2: that got Charleston Hughes is reliving his youth right beside him. So that's got to change a whole lot. But.
1: And I think I think and I said this before the season even started. I said. Good pressure up the middle from Micah Johnson is going to make the, the job of of guys like um, Charleston Hughes easier because he's going to take the double teams and 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 Charleston Hughes is going to come off the edge, you know, unless they're going to chip with a running back, which takes a, a guy out of the out of the receiving. Uh, Charlton Hughes is going to have a good year. And I think once – and now Charlton Hughes is starting to have a really good year. They're going to start to say, well, we got to start doubling there. And then you're going to see Micah Johnson coming right up the middle and, and either getting sacks or he's going to cause um, – interceptions to happen at the back end like the one you talked I've about i've never seen a def-
2: i've never seen a defensive tackle like that yeah he's tall and he's big he's like 280 but he's lean and he's quick and he's quick cat yeah. quick like he's like oh. ed
0: mcquarters was it number 61 yeah. yeah yeah
2: that's a long going back a long long time when he had old. two
0: eyes
1: or when he had one uh even yeah. with one eye yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> man that was a great signing i guess so we'll have to do that but
1: but back to the, william paul for a second i i likened him earlier in the year to a guy that's uh well known throughout the NFL and that's Levi Levion Bell. Yes. LeVeon Bell But he was bigger you know, he, he gets he gets the ball and then he just sort of pauses and he looks at the backs of his offensive linemen and he goes, Okay, I know where the hole's supposed to be, but it's not right there yet. So I'm just gonna wait here until you guys move those guys out of the way and then I'm gonna go find that hole. And offensive linemen love playing for guys like that. He said, just let us create the holes. No not handicap us to say that it well it has to always be pushed that way. Just give me a chance to put this guy on roller skates and push him wherever yeah. way I want. And you talked about 15 carries versus 20 carries. The difference between 15 carries and 20 carries is those last five, you've got a defensive line that's getting pooped, and the offensive linemen are just going, okay, let's keep running the ball because I got these guys tired, and it's just like they're on roller blades, and we just get to keep pushing back. And you got a guy like William Powell with great vision just saying, all right, I'll follow you guys. Where do you want us to go?
0: And there was also a play. Cody Fajardo looked like he was
1: audibling on the play where they lined
0: up. The Arguers were clearly on man, in man coverage. And there was William Powell, I think second from the left, Ian Wild, a linebacker opposite him. Did a quick in. Quick in. yeah, And they ended up on the one-yard line scoring a touchdown. So not only is he a factor with running the ball, but he's a very good receiver. You can run him on plays like that. And that's also speaks to Cody Fajardo and being able to to manage the game. I believe the touchdown pass to Kyron Moore was on an audible as well. So he's doing some things that, at this stage of his career, at least as a starting quarterback, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think that many quarterbacks would be doing. Is that fair? Well,
1: yeah. I th- I think, and you said it already here in the program. That's the impact of Ricky Ray and Travis Lilly. You know, you sit behind those guys. You sit behind those guys in games. You sit behind those guys in practice. But you also sit with those guys in the film room and you, and you know for those of us that have been in dressing rooms watching film over and over and over and over again you watch the same play over and, and then you go see how that guy's lined up watch him here and watch him here watch him when he's in man watch him when he's in zone and you kind of go okay this guy tips off that coverage every single time so as a quarterback i i don't make it obvious i don't come out and go I want to see what that guy's doing. But, you know, you just peek out the corner of your eye and you go, okay, I know it's man-to-man coverage. And, hey, Powell, you go out to this side here, hut, quick in, and there you go. So quarterback, and Ricky Ray would notice that, and Cody Pajardo would, would go, oh, I would have never noticed that. Thanks for teaching me that. And and Travis Lulay, same thing. So he's learned things in the film room uh, that are so important from guys like that. And, and I'm sure he's learning things from McAdoo and... And, and his coaches, but there's just nothing like learning from Hall of Famers like those two guys.
2: Yeah, well, maybe we can move on. Calgary this weekend, Bo Levi Mitchell looks a little bit in doubt. I would say probably pretty much in doubt, seeing he's got an MRI. We
0: that heard they're heard looking the for a yet? second opinion
2: they're now. They're going for a second opinion, so he's not going to be able to practice.
1: He's not playing this week. I, but I don't know that for a fact. He hasn't missed but... a game
2: since 2014, so I wouldn't exactly bet against him, but I think – The signs point, especially when Nick Arbuckle came on to play in the second. They've
0: got to be careful with their investments.
1: If I'm Dave Dickinson, there's no way I'm playing in this game. It's not that it's a meaningless game. It's an important game. But uh, if I'm Dave Dickinson, I'm saying, well, there's no way I'm not making a playoffs this year. So I want to make sure that I go into the playoffs hot. I want to make sure I go into the playoffs healthy. And Dave and... um, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell playing game. This is, I think, their third game of the year. Yeah. Dave Dick or uh, Bo Levi playing the third game of the year is not nearly as important to me as him playing the 18th game. And of the it year. looks
2: like a weird injury, too, because people were talking shoulder, but he was also holding his pants
1: up.
2: So something, and you know, it, it kind of happened. I don't quite remember. I was That was later in the game. But so if Cody Frizzardo comes out and plays the same way he did on Monday they should be able to beat the Stampeders, or does he have to find a way to get 500 yards out of that arm to beat the Stampeders? Are it still the defending Great Cup champs in name only? Because I think there's only, what, 10 guys left from that team that won the Great Cup last year?
1: I, I think what you, if you look at the quarterbacks, I say Fajardo against Arbuckle is a wash. You look at the offensive line... Versus offensive line, I think Saskatchewan's got an advantage. You look at the de- the defense. This is where the game is was going to be won by Saskatchewan, in my opinion. The Saskatchewan defense is trending better. Calgary's defense is trending poorer. Calgary's defense is is doesn't have an identity yet because they lost so many people. Uh, Saskatchewan's defense on paper is fantastic. Uh, they didn't play well in the first two weeks. The first week, especially, well, even the second week. Uh, I. I think this game, we've got this the Calgary Stampeders at the absolute right time because Boleva Mitchell's not playing and Saskatchewan's defense is getting hot and Cody Fajardo is getting more and more confidence. so I think Saskatchewan will win this one.
0: Murr, uh, we've taken up yeah, far too much I of Mar- Marshall's time when he could be golfing or pickleballing or whatever. Yeah, uh, uh, with... Any final thoughts before uh, we uh
2: Maybe everyone should just take a little chill pill about Gaynor. I believe in following Marshall's advice. patience, patience. Patience. But fix those darned eyes,
1: because yep.
2: get bring the eyes back, and just enjoy the fact that some guy lost a little weight, and maybe we should all embrace that.
0: Marshall, anything you'd like to add before we? Close?
1: Well, Gainer's not out there in a trench coat with syringes under one side and <laughs> and pipes under the other. Uh, let's give Gainer an opportunity to to show what he can do and. You know back to the football field let's let's give this defense a chance to show what they can do on paper they're a fantastic defense with a great reputation and Cody fajardo let's not let's not you know pencil ourselves in for the gray Cup yet but let's look at this is a, a good young guy playing his first year as a starter and uh, every every great quarterback in the CFL every great quarterback that's in the Hall of Fame right now had those first couple of starts and Cody's off to a good start
0: awesome Marshall thank you so much for joining us today Murray oh I got to read this thing uh, if you enjoy the podcast a thank you and B, please leave a review and a rating it helps us a lot you can subscribe to the show on the Apple podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts if you'd like to send us a question you can email me Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com And we'll read it on the show. You can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone and Murray at at Murray LP. Marshall, thanks again. Murray, thank you. I'm Rob Vanstone. We'll do this again next week with number 58. Take care.